Hey, everybody, this is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. It's relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the new theme song to NBC Sunday Night Football. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm good. Mm. How are you? I'm good, but I'm good without hesitating before I said good. So what's going on? Um, Well, it's been a very, very busy medical week, and um, I would like Mm. to share like sort of an update with the listeners about Marguerite. Okay. Yeah. Now, Marguerite, you know, we have a relationship of some kind and (laughs) this week has really enlightened me as to the problem isn't really me. I don't think that's what I've discovered. And that I find that she's more dear to me than I realized, which always happens when you're at a, at a crossroads with somebody. Yeah. So let me just, before you go on, let me just fill in the background a little bit for people who aren't regular listeners, which is fine. We love them too. Um, Marguerite uh, is a person who lives down the street and she's like kind of friends with mom, but mom finds her kind of annoying. Um, that's basically the extent of it. And we've been talking about like how good of friends are they? And does mom want to keep being friends with Marguerite? She often says no, but they always keep being friends to some extent, as you put it, mom, um, in so many right. words. Uh, so there was a crisis in her life recently. That's right. And it started It started back in July, the beginning of July, when she um, had a hip replacement. And it's gone sour. And so she found herself in the emergency room two weeks ago. So they had to undo the whole operation. And they have to clear up this infection that got in her joint. And it's been real a real process, very difficult to do. And surprisingly to me, there's very little support from the family. Um, they show up and they sort of berate her. She, she was found, they found out she's a smoker, which I think she was sort of keeping on the down low. So they spent some time berating her for that and, Meanwhile, she's running this raging fever and feeling ill and has to undergo the operation to have the hip replacement removed. And in its place, they've put some sort of cement thing that uh, gives off antibiotics. And she's getting in antibiotics intravenously and, you know, on and on with, with little to no support from her husband. Shockingly, yeah, yeah, and and the the girls are not; they don't have really had to handle this. Yeah, she has adult daughters as well who are yes. not really coming through. Yes, and so finally, um, there was a meeting with personnel. Her husband was not going to be there, so I went down for this meeting, and they all came in the room, and this is not our fault. Whether you know. 
we're not the ones. If you want to leave, you can. And she's just trying to get some answers. And finally, I I did step in and pretty much alienated everyone and was told that there's no reason to be bitchy. Yeah, by the hospital or by the medical center staff, you were told this, in fact, right? I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah, so um, you have been drafted to uh, deal with the with the medical staff because her family is totally absent. And uh, this is not the, I think listeners to earlier podcasts would say that this is not the level of friendship you thought you had, but I don't know. Like I said, you've continued to uh, maintain contact with this person. She lives right down the street. I guess I'm not surprised that you have come through for this person in my estimation, at least. Um, it's but I, it seems to have come as a little bit of a surprise to you. It has come as a complete shock to me because it's it's really sort of like it's sort of like when you have have a friendship where you're going to lunch and you go to the person's house and you toot toot your horn and they come out and get in your car <laughs> and you don't really know what goes on in the house. Oh yes, and, perfectly. And then yeah. one day. She says, well, come in, come into the house. And you just say, holy shit, are you kidding me? And so that's sort of what this has been like. Mm. Nobody's competent. Nobody's nobody even knows how to take the the steering wheel. And it's shocking to me. It's shocking. And I said to dad, you know, I sort of took it for granted that when I was sick, you took over and asked the right questions and got me what I needed and there's none of that here. In fact, in fact, Johnny, her second oldest daughter went to the hospital last night and told her to put her big girl panties on and start getting something done. She said this to her bedridden mother? Yes. Oh, wow. I would I feel negligent not stepping in and I'm uncomfortable now that I've been put on the list yeah. to contact the doctor. Yeah. I mean, it seems so odd to me. Well, it is odd, but um, sometimes people are more lonely than you think, right? I think that your image, yeah, yeah. Your image of, um, you know, the relationship being you pull up the car outside the house and they come out, it's just a very vivid uh, metaphor you've conjured there because... I'll put it this way. you I know she wasn't supposed to smoke cigarettes, um, especially after this surgery, but you can see why she needed some release because um, she's the only one who is like a functioning member of society, it feels like, in this bunch. She's the only one taking care of herself, and she's not able to take care of herself. <sighs> so I couldn't be at the meeting today for the infectious doctor meeting, but I sent her a list of five questions and I said, you know, remember when you go in, you don't really care if they like you, if they're sweet, um, because that seems to be the the big selling yeah. point of, yeah. of everyone. You've never worried I about said, that. Yeah. Just just go in and get the answer to these five questions and 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 
you know, I'm, I'm going to call you at dinner time and we'll go over what they said because I can't be there. Well, you have gone above and beyond. And I think that the, uh, you know, we had a conversation about this the other day. And I think that the approach of just like taking every opportunity to get some member of the family involved, whatever, you know, whatever your best prospect is there, that's got to be the approach you take. You help out, but you're pushing them into the, they're pushing them in front of the doctor and you're, you know, feeding her the questions. That's, that's good. You're just, you're holding uh, Marguerite's hand and you're kind of, everybody else is sort of like holding on to the back of your shirt and you're dragging them along too at the moment. Um, Which is very odd, I think. uh, It's really weird, but... Yeah, the neighborhood seems to count on you when there's um, bad medical news, I have to say. <laughs> well, you know what she said? She said, we put you on the, the list to speak to the doctor because, you know, in case we need the big guns again. And yeah. I thought, well, really, all I did was irritate everyone. And But the doctor did call her and called her daughter and called the nurse's station. So yeah. it got... It got the results, and, and so yeah, they there needed you go. big guns. It's funny that they would call it that, but they just needed a squeaky wheel, which comes naturally to you. That's the Marguerite update. I'm glad we talked about that. It's uh, this has become a pretty complex relationship that has played out here on the podcast. Uh, it has, it has. But you've been a great help, and I do appreciate that. On the podcast, you mean, or or just talk in general? In life. Okay. Okay. Uh, my pleasure. You uh, also, I see here, had a question for me about lost things. Yes. Now, um, you know, I have a sort of OCD thing. Uh, You know, it's not cleanliness. It's not washing my hands. It's not, it's that when I lose something, I am just obsessed with it. And we've lost the dust buster, um, (laughs) the, the station where it, goes is is intact oh, yeah. but the dustbuster itself is missing and we wonder if the kids didn't you know get a hold of it as they did so many things and now someday we'll find it but in the process it's interesting the things that you you do find um how do you, does that bother you when you lose something in the house yo yeah it drives me crazy so it's probably hereditary I guess so. You know, it used to drive me crazier when we lived in a little apartment because the whole time I'd just be feeling like this place is too small for anything to be lost. Right. Um, I feel like, not that we have a huge house, but we have a house now. And um, it's almost as if because there's so many places to look, the basement, the bedrooms, the living room, you kind of keep yourself occupied for longer so I don't get angry as quickly. Because when you're going back and looking in the same places, then you're just, that's when you start to go crazy. I know, but I tend to do that because I'm sure that's where the item is. Yeah, that's the other thing. When it isn't. Yep. It's the difference between, you get into, like, it's the difference between you want to stop looking. When you're looking because you want to stop looking, you just want the answer right then, that's when you'll never find it. If you're looking and you're trying to find it and you're being rational and just look here, okay, now I'll look here, then you have a chance of finding it. But it was just like, it must be here, then you're you're doomed, right? I'm just going to, I'm going to push aside, I'm going to push this corner of the junk drawer aside and it's going to be here and that'll be it. 
And then what do you tell yourself when you cannot find it? Because I'll tell you what I do. I say to myself, well, the, somebody took it out to the garage and to do their car and they left it out there. And then I don't go look out there so that I can sit down and just be happy with that thought. Oh, I see. That's good. I just assumed that the government took it. Uh, well, I hope you find your dust buster. Um, I do think it's funny that you went, you um, you texted me to ask if the kids took it, and they haven't been there since July. Has it been two months since you wanted to use the dust buster? Well, yeah, because now I want to clean my car, my car, my new car, yeah, which I've never done. So you know, I'm not really familiar with the dust buster. Uh, I'm. Usually, I usually avoid those things. Well, the operation of it is pretty straightforward. I think you'll catch on. If I ever find it. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, thank you. That didn't sound sincere, though. Um, it was sincere to the extent that I care. Oh, I'll have to remember that. <laughs> I have to, I'll have to develop that tone and put it in my memory so that I can pull that out when I need it. Okay. It comes naturally to me, but you can work on it. Yes, I know. <laughs> okay. Should we uh, move along to our review? Uh, yes, let's. Okay. This week, Mom and I are talking about NBC Sunday Night Football. <laughs> I can get that out. Mm. The 14th season of NBC's marquee football broadcast officially premiered on Sunday as Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth returned to the booth with Michelle Tafoya on the field to cover a slate of top-tier matchups in the 2019 NFL year. But Mom is less concerned with the talent covering the game than the talent who rings in the game, namely (laughs) Carrie Underwood, who has sung the Sunday Night Football theme since 2013. Before her was Faith Hill, and the original theme singer was, many people forget, Pink in 2006. Changes to the song have generated upset among some fans in recent years, I believe including Mom. Is that right, Mom? Uh, Consternation, perhaps? uh, Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, For 2019, NBC returns to the original Sunday night theme. Here's a clip. NBC Sunday Night Football airs Sunday nights on NBC. What did you think? Mom, does Carrie carry this tune? Oh, yeah. Oh, you like this. You're happy they returned to the original. I do like it. Um, I um, The lyrics change a little bit. Um, <laughs> but I find this rendition of it 
very exciting. Okay. So I th- think it I think it gets you ready for the game. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? This is Waiting All Day for Sunday Night is the song. Um, and this was, like I said uh, in the intro, the original song. Uh, a few years ago, they changed it, and Carrie started singing Whoa, whoa Sunday Night, which is my favorite. I loved Whoa, Whoa, Sunday Night. That's pretty much how she sang it. Um, no, it's not. I, for, if you haven't heard it, she's quite talented. Uh, um, well, this is... This is what I like to sing. Yeah. I like to sing, Sunday night football, where are you? And that makes Dad laugh every time because he says those are not the lyrics. <laughs> and I, I did finally look them up, and uh, those are not the lyrics. No, they're not, but it sounds right. <laughs> I know. I'm going to have that stuck in my head now. I know. I'm sorry. Um, so after Whoa, 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 Sunday night uh, came, what was after that? Uh, game on, right. And that lasted one year. People did not really care for this one, I don't think. Yeah. What do you, yeah. What was your opinion on Game On? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I'm fine with it. I think it's. I think it. It was exhilarating and good. I didn't care for um, Pink's rendition. Oh, so you've been happy since 2007 when Faith Hill took over? Then is that what you're saying? Yeah. I'm asking you about the 2018 theme, though. Do you not remember? Is that why you you hesitated? That's fine. That yeah, that could be. Yeah, okay, that good. could be <laughs> okay. because I've listened to a bunch of them um, now in trying to be able to talk about this. And so you've completely con- confused yourself, and you in fact can't talk about it at all. It seems like right. So I'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> well, we can talk about this year's rendition. You find it exciting? I guess I'm wondering where you would rank it, where in your vague memory, is it near the top? Is it near the bottom? Where is it? Oh, I think it's near the top. I think it's near the top. You're looking for excitement. Um, What else? And a tiny bit of sex. Really? Well, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Continue. To me, I think she looks very um, juicy and... Yes. Clean and <laughs> she's wearing lip gloss. That seems to be the main thing you're responding to. I like. To. I love. I love me some lip gloss. <laughs> yeah, and I. I do. I think it's. Yes. I think it's a little bit sexy, but it's not like like here's my boobs sexy. It's right. just right. You know, and I think she belts out the song just the way I want. You know, I, I'm good then. Now I have been surprised. Um, that a few years ago would have surprised me that you would even have any opinion on the Sunday night football theme because you really didn't participate in football at all, uh, quite reasonably. I, I Anybody who chooses not to uh, be engaged with the NFL, hey, more power to you. But I'm I'm trapped, basically. Like, I can't stop. As I, and I talked about this in my column. Here's a plug. If you want to hear me talk about NFL... Even if you're maybe not so into the NFL, we can still have some fun. A lot of people who don't like football read this column. Block and Tackle every Friday. It's back on avclub.com. Love it. And I talked about how, like, I recognize that this is a morally fraught sport, and I'm kind of a bad person for being into it, and yet I still think we can find some inspiration and joy in it, and I just love the togetherness and the pop culture spectacle of it. I talked about this in more detail in my column. 
look it up. But I'm surprised that you in adulthood would buy into it just a few years ago. I know you're not a super fan, but you watch it a little with dad now, right? And you care about the SNF theme. How did this happen? Well, I, you know, I grew up in a household where Sunday football was, you know, what came on. I used to get to watch Birdie the Bunyip on Sunday morning in the Philadelphia area. And uh, he showed his cartoons and he had his little puppets. And then it was like, bye bye to me and the TV, because then my father and brother took it over and um, it was theirs for the rest of the day. So. Um, it's always been in the background, I guess. And what I found is that it's, I, I'm not interested in the game. I'm interested in stuff like when Tom Brady tries to get a high five and nobody will high five <laughs> him back that right. I'm in it for the, yeah. for the chit chat, for the minutia, mm-hmm. for the, um, for the funny trip, for the wonky bounce of the ball. That's what I'm in it for. And so I will watch that in order to have a conversation that interests me that's about football, so it might interest Dad or you or Merrick yeah. that watches football. Yeah. Uh, well, First of all, yeah, I think you have described the perfect block and tackle reader um, being concerned with sort of the sideshow and the minutia. But uh, I think that that is probably a common story. And I think it's a reason that a lot of um, spouses get interested in football because, mm. you know, it's a way to relate. I think it's a way that a lot of sons and daughters get interested in football as a way to relate to their parents. I think probably right. mostly dads. Um, dads maybe can be a little less accessible than moms on average. You know, we're generalizing here. Every individual is different. Uh, but I think it's a way for a lot of kids to relate to their dads. So I, I bet it's a familiar story among our listeners. And I also have to say, um, you know, a blanket apology to all you people out there. But I do love me some Tom Brady. <laughs> what do you love about him? Oh, I think he's so cute. Oh, boy. People are throwing their iPods in the river right I now. I know. I know. And I, that's why I apologize first. Um, because, you know, it's funny because to me, it's like in grade school, I was taught that America is the greatest country. and. Yeah. We love everybody and we help everybody out. And and then when I got to high school, I found out, you know, well, we dropped a bomb on, you know, yeah. it's just, it was um, a little disillusioning. And to me, it was shocking to find out that people hated the Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> it never occurred to me that people were going to hate the Patriots and the, uh, I understand it now, but yeah. uh, at the beginning, I I was a little shocked by that. Well, it did seem to turn on a dime because when the Patriots were, you know, really a no-name team and they won the Super Bowl and won and then they won another one, there, 
you know, it was just like, look at this amazing team. It was all laudatory in the national media. And New right. Englanders really uh, soaked that up and yeah. felt like as long as the Patriots kept winning, which they did in large part, that they would continue to get this unearned adulation, right? All of this, all of the good feelings you get from sports is unearned good feelings because those other guys that were the ones doing the work, the ones on the field or the court or the right. ice or whatever it is. Uh, but New England got really used to that. And then it just turned on a dime and the Spygate stuff happened and Deflategate and this and yeah. that and the, and, um, in an instant, everybody hated the Patriots because everybody was sick of the Patriots. Like, yeah, it's fun for New England to have every talking head chatter on about what a genius Bill Belichick is and what a wonderful heroic quarterback Tom Brady is. But everybody else at long last was sick and tired of it. And it just turned and it has never turned back because why would it? Well, why would it? And then things continue to uh bubble to the surface of that I would not like about another team. Well, I don't like it about our team. Yeah. Yeah. You know, does, does Robert Kraft really have to go to a, I know it's so embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And now we have Antonio Brown and you know, that was big gas. And I think, why? Why did we need to do that? Why? Now it's something that we have to handle, and we, I say, but you know what I mean. Well, again, um, let me fill in some of the details just for the benefit of maybe overseas listeners or people who don't care at all about okay. football. Again, God love you. Robert Kraft was uh, caught in in a prostitution sting. Basically, he was uh, being pleasured on the morning of the AFC championship game, a real big playoff game this year that his Patriots were in. And um, he needed to get a cheap handy, basically, at this massage parlor. I'm sorry for that language, Mom, but it's that tawdry um, and unseemly. Is that what they're called now? Uh, you could call them that. I know I actually probably most people don't call them that, but okay. um, it has been called that. And then more recently, um, Antonio Brown, basically the league's biggest villain at the moment, this uh, diva wide receiver who has thrown these temper tantrums, doesn't seem to be able to control himself on social media, um, came to the Patriots and almost immediately then was hit with a uh, civil lawsuit uh, alleging that he sexually assaulted um, a, a woman who basically was a trainer for him, um, sort of on the side. So their arrangement is hazy. The whole thing is hazy. And I just want to be rid of it. I, you know, right. due process and everything like, sure, as a citizen, he should yeah. get all of that. But I don't want to deal right. with it. Like, I just wish right. he would go away. You know, and a week ago, we weren't dealing with it. No. And now here's another distraction. You know, here's another here's another reason we're in the news for something not good. <laughs> and And we're... <laughs> See, as a fan, I don't like I've covered the league so thoroughly for a while now that I feel some connection to the whole enterprise. That's where my shame really comes from. That's the base of my shame is my entanglement and involvement with the NFL as a whole. My shame as a Patriots fan doesn't really exist anymore. I just find that funny that everybody hates the Patriots, the team that I follow. So I don't 
I don't personally feel implicated in this, but it's natural as a fan to feel like you are being attacked when the guy who wears your colors of your uniform is yeah. the one that everybody's mad at. And it's silly, but it is what happens. Well, and, you know, I think, too, there was the report that, you know, Tom Brady embraced him and come stay at my house. And yeah. can you imagine having to go back to Antonio and saying, um, well, Giselle thought <laughs> maybe, um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Tom Brady's wife, Giselle Bunchen, mom's referencing, yes. Um, totally, totally. How, uh, how embarrassing. The stain spreads with these people, though, and that's the that's the problem. You think you can contain it, and maybe sometimes you can, but I'm not I'm not sure with Antonio Brown it can be contained. I just think that it's the stain spreads, and he well, and to me, the handwriting was already on the wall. Couldn't anybody read that? Can we please let the nightmare play out in the legal system and just yeah. do we have to look at him? Do we have to pay attention to him? And do we do we want him to be the story? I don't. No. No. Okay. Now, here's another concern I have. Yeah. In in general with football is I'm concerned about the future of it in that everybody's coming up now with bad brain things and is it really safe? And dad doesn't want to talk about that or think about that, but I do think about it. Yeah. That, that there's big money in it. Um, and it, you know, it reminds me of the gyms that they sent set up in inner city cities for boxing, because that's a way for the young men to, um, learn discipline and get out of their environment. Yeah. yeah. Um, get out of like the but, gang uh, circles and all uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what do you, what do you see the future of, of football? Do you see it just going on? I think that football always has and always will exist at the periphery of our society's tolerance for violence. That's um, that's one role that I see it playing in the larger culture. At the beginning of the um, of the twentieth century, you know, people were being killed on the field. You had Teddy Roosevelt intervening and saying, "You got to clean up this game, or we're going to ban it." Basically, um, and the and that be, and that was the game brushing up against the limits of what society would tolerate, and it just keeps. And the NFL loves to talk about how the game has evolved, uh, and it has quite a bit. But has it kept pace with uh, the standards of the average person? It seems to have be falling behind a little lately, right? I think that yeah. the game will need to will need to evolve more rapidly. At the same time, I do think that whether we like it or not, a Western society like ours, a Western supposedly liberal democratic society, does seem to need some outlet for this instinct of tribalism and battle. And I think in the... You know, when I was a fan in the 90s, it was easy to look at that and say, like, well, we do this instead of fighting wars and actually killing each other. So that's, you know, 
it's toxic, but at least it's it's better than the alternative, if that's the alternative, which is a bit of rationalization, but still. Yeah. Now I look at society and I see all the stuff that I thought was contained to football just spilling out everywhere. Yeah. And um, I'm, I love the game. I think that it's combination of um, teamwork and preparation and intelligence across um, – intelligence that needs to be spread across a number of people in an instant you know in that snap 11 people have to work in concert to achieve something i find that inspiring and valuable and i well, think that have you seen the rockets <laughs> yeah but what i was about to say is that i think that the combination of that in the context of this just ultimate ultimate physical challenge there's nothing like it and i don't there's a long way of saying i don't know where the game is going i do think it will need to change i'm not sure it will need to change as dramatically as people might think because we do have uh, we do have this appetite for violence but i think it needs to change faster than it has been did any of that make sense it did make sense it did make sense but uh because I think you've grown up in that culture. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Would you watch touch football? I don't know what flag football is. So would you, would you watch touch football? No, I don't think so. Because you want to see a tackle. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, I think that the, I think that the rhythms and tensions of the game are fundamentally different if there's not, a tackle involved is the most basic way of putting it. Yeah. So you're hoping, you're always hoping for uh, uh, a quarterback throw and clean catch. Yes. All right. Well, I mean, I I really have mixed. uh, I try not to think about it too much when I'm watching it. So that's the kind of hypocrite I am about it. Well, we're all, we're all having crits to watch it. I mean, it's in my first block and tackle. I think the first sentence of my first block and tackle column, I said, football is an American vice. But see, I look at a vice as something that, that just harms me. You know, I'm watching somebody perhaps get a concussion that in 10 years, they're going to be not able to talk again, or, or they'll be in such distress. You know, we had a, player that that committed suicide and yeah yeah uh it's a collective vice you know we all have a little piece of that problem they're not going to stop the nfl isn't going to stop because it's just money 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 i get that i get that it's money 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 but it's us that we pay for these tickets we pay for the jerseys and i don't know so i i really have two sides to this. I'm, yep. you know, I'm, I'm really standing on two sides of the line. Um, I share your inner conflicts. I've made my choice and I have a lot of respect for people who make different or the same choice. I just, mm. you have to think it through and, um, I'm not giving myself any medals, uh, for being Mr. NFL on the AV club. Um, I do try to bring out the 
fun and the um, insights that I think can be drawn from the sport. And you do it brilliantly. (laughs) And I'm not just (laughs) saying that because I'm your mom. I'm not. I know. Well, it was a good way to bring things back around after you have inspired just profound shame in me for watching or writing about or talking about the sport. So well done. Um, <laughs> no, thank you for look. This is this is a conversation that people um, across the country are having out loud or with themselves. And yeah. um, I think it's a conversation we'll keep having. And so thank you for having it with me. Yes, I, I appreciated it too. Um, I can I, I appreciate it too. Good. We have to bring this session of the Mutual Appreciation Society to a close with a grade for the 2019 NBC Sunday Night Football theme. What is your grade, Mom? I'll give it an A plus. A plus. Okay. No! 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 no. The sad trumpet is not for A plus. You do this all the time. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Here we have a. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, I thought that. Don't about, you have a label maker? That's A plus. Right? That's perfect. Okay, <laughs> good. Uh, <laughs> do you have a recommendation for us this week, Mom? Um, I do. Uh, this is sort of like turnabout is fair play, but uh, we have a good friend who has a podcast himself called Heavily Pixelated, Scott Jones, and he speaks with different people uh, about the importance of video games in their lives and the impact. Uh, positive or negative that it has had. And it's a very interesting show. Uh, yes, it is. I'd say it's it's human stories. Um, and the common thread is that there's a, a video game inspiration, but it's not as um, it's varied. The inspiration is varied, I say. He's very yeah. creative with how games, you know, touch on the story. I think it's something that you can enjoy. What I'm trying to say as a human being, even it's not like Mr. Video Game, listen to this podcast. It's not right. quite that. Right. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's um, something larger than that. It's heavily pixelated. Uh, you can find it on all reputable podcast platforms. Uh, the latest episode as of this taping, I believe, is Christine. Right, Mom? Christine. Christine. Yes. And uh, it's a very sad one, um, so I'll just tell you that. I know. He um, he let me know that he had mentioned uh, Pop Mom in his podcast, and so, of course, I opened it up to listen to the latest episode immediately, because if, if I'm going to be in it, then, whoo, let's fire that baby up. Yeah, oh, got to hear that. But then I looked at the description, and it looked so sad, and I had a long day. I have to yeah. admit I haven't looked at it yet, because I need to be a little emotionally prepared for what the uh, episode synopsis right. seemed to promise. That's right. Okay. That's okay. right, because yesterday I could not have have um, Done taken that yeah. in, so I listened to it this morning. Yeah, and we love Scott. We just love Scott. So. Scott's great. Um, a friend of mine going back a long ways now from the days when we were both covering video games as our main gig. Oh, those were the days. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it feels like a long time ago now. Yeah. Well, and you, you know, you live a life like the Bible, you know, pre-kids and after kids. Oh, is that what the Bible is about? I never knew. <laughs> like a parenting guide? That's your Old Testament life. This is your New Testament. Got it, yeah. How to raise your children by God. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I'd read God's parenting guide. Uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. What should we talk about, though, Mom? I'm stuck. Uh, something interesting. Hmm, it might work. We'll try it next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. We love you. Mom and I will talk to you again soon. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too.